What's up, everybody? This is Stick to Football, Bleacher Report's college football and NFL Draft Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Miller, joined by my buddy, Connor Rogers. Connor, we are less than one month away from the 2019 NFL Draft. I'm pumped, dude. We're going to go over sleepers today, a ton of draft on draft, but a lot of rumors and news to kick off the show. Yeah, it's exciting, man. I mean, we're, like you said, less than a month out here. And as you and I were discussing before the show, this is the time of year where there's really no sleep. We're just catching up on as many players as possible. So when, you know, we're on the desk on day three that we're giving you guys analysis of those players, not just talking about what happened in rounds one and two. So really excited uh, sleepers today. Plenty of names, hopefully that you have not heard yet, although I feel like the listeners of this show are well educated and will recognize at least a handful of these names. And we will get to some deep, deep draft buzz, also some draft buzz in the top 10. But before we get into any of that, Matt, there's something very important we need to discuss. The NFL coaches photo. It is amazing. I, I, I've been looking at it for a day. It's like one of those pictures that you look at and like the first time, like, oh, yeah. And then you look again, and you're like, oh, shit, you I find new that. things, right? It is. It's like a Rorschach test. And it's amazing to me. There's so much to go over. You know what's most exciting to me? They got Bill Belichick in the photo. Like and he's he smiling. Ever shows up to these things. Yeah, he's smiling. Like, dude looks good. Like, I mean, he's rocking the khakis and, and sneaker look, but he's also like 70 years old. So I'm going to give him a pass as far as that goes. Basically, if you're looking at the camera, you you win. Because most of the guys aren't. And then, like, Adam Gase is at the owners' meetings. He did an interview with on Adam Schefter's podcast, a brief one, and he just didn't show up to the photo. So I don't blame him. <laughs> he probably, I, I, But he could have wore a hat. Freddie Kitchens has a hat on. Freddie Kitchens looks like he just walked out of a bar in Joplin, Missouri. 100%. Like, like I've seen Mello wear that out on a Thursday night. Like, you got the ball cap on, you got the untucked, button down, sleeves rolled up. So no Mike Tomlin, no Adam Gase, no Sean Payton, Bruce Arians, Pete Carroll, and Sean McVay, which are some pretty big names to not be in the photo. I don't know like what excuse you can have, you know? Well, I think Sean McVay realized there's a there's a new swag king in town in Cliff Kingsbury and didn't want to be one-upped. I think that that's my that's theory. A, it's a very good argument. Cliff's looking good, and he sat right in the middle. But Andy Reid wins this photo, oh, as he does year. every year. Every year. Chiefs Hawaiian shirt shorts he's got the white sneakers on and like cliff kingsbury looks like he just stepped out of gq and andy's like i'm here for the luau motherfucker like let's just have some fun <laughs> he is just, he looks comfortable uh and he just he's consistent this is his outfit every year i mean if somebody has a stylist please just walk in today and be like give me the andy reed coaches uh annual yeah. coaches photo meeting outfit style you know what i also like as someone who has a brother who is on this podcast that the Gruden's match. Like, they're wearing the same fucking thing. <laughs> it's, so... like, it's like mom and dad dressed them. And like, well, you're both wearing the blue polo today. It's amazing. It, it really... And then Matt Patricia just could not look more uncomfortable no. to be there. It's like, I... If he's not in a backward hat and a hoodie, he looks like he doesn't want to be alive. 100%. Like, you know, he put that shirt on over a hoodie just to take the photo. It, yeah. It's an incredible photo. An absolutely incredible photo. I think the big winners for me are Andy, Cliff, and Vrabel's mustache. Um, yeah, Anthony it, Lynn looks clean too, though. Like he does. He's got like the he's got like a cardigan on. Like Anthony Lynn looks good. Doug Peterson, I think they caught like mid suck in as someone who like that's the move in the photo. You know, like it, he just or I don't know. 
He, he does. He doesn't look natural in that photo. He looks very uncomfortable. Well, in classic Kyle Shanahan fashion, he has the look of "I do not want to be here. I want to be drawing up plays right, right now." I mean, it's just it's everything you need. I love this photo. I actually look forward to it every yeah. year just as much as anything. You know what else surprised me? And we can move on from this because I could talk about all twenty six coaches in the photo. John Harbaugh looks tiny. Yeah, which is weird because that's not how it might just be like the angle of the photo where he's slumped yeah. down, but he always seems like one of the biggest guys like on the sidelines in terms of coaches. So it's weird. I think people yeah. also don't realize how tall Cliff is. Yeah. Yeah, that could be. Yeah. Anyways, now that we're done with the nonsense, <laughs> I, I hopefully, hopefully you all got to pull up the photo as we gave our breakdown for it. Um, a lot of draft buzz this time of year. And something we talked about on Adam Lefko's podcast here at Bleach Report is, you know, what do you believe? What do you not believe? So, me and Matt are always going to pass along the things that we believe. And Matt, I'll let you start because I think I can piggyback off your point. But it, who's the most interesting team or the most certain team in the top 10 right now? Well, I, I think the Raiders are the most interesting team. And, and not just because they have three picks in the first round or four of the top 35. It's just what are they going to do at pick number four? I put out a mock draft that you and Mello graded. It came out Monday morning, as did the comparison podcast. So go back and listen to that if you haven't yet. And we put Devin White there at number four overall, or I did, excuse me. And you both love the pick. And one thing I heard as soon as that mock draft came out, uh, this is kind of how like the world works. Like I'll put a mock draft out and then like contacts from around the NFL will start texting me like, hey, this won't happen. I really like this pick or why are you hearing this? Yada, yada, yada. There's a lot of back and forth, a lot of conversation that starts and damn near immediately. I was getting texts of, Hey, the, the Raiders really, really like Devin white, but if Quinn and Williams is there, they're going to have to have a really, really long conversation about that because there's still a belief by some teams that Quinn and Williams is the best player in this draft, not Kyler Murray, not Nick Bosa, but actually Quinn. And we've said before the desire now for teams to have interior pressure is huge. And Quinnen, as a one-year starter, people feel like his upside is a lot better than Nick Bosa, who's probably maxed out in terms of physicality and technique because, I mean, his dad and brother played in the NFL. He he knows all the all the tricks of the trade at this point. Yeah, I think if I was a betting man, I would take the combo of Quinnen Williams and Devin White against the field right now for the Raiders. I agree. It, it's as simple as that. Now, I've heard the same as you, Matt, that they love Devin White. I could see a scenario where maybe they don't expect Quinn and Williams to be there or they think either the 49ers or the Jets will take him. And I, I don't think the 49ers will. I, w I do think no. they'll end up with Nick Bosa. I think that if the Jets stay at three, the player is just too good to pass up on and that they would take Quinn and Williams, but it would create an interesting scenario there. Now, where it gets very interesting is something else I've heard is that multiple teams are kind of mulling if they should jump Oakland to solidify that they'll get a premier defensive player because the thought is that Oakland and Tampa will go back to back and basically out of the top five, you can miss the chance of getting one of these premier defensive talents. And those guys are Nick Bosa, Quinn and Williams and uh, Devin White. Those are, that's how the league views it. Like I still think Ed Oliver is in that conversation 1 million percent. And I know a lot of people, I think, including you, Matt, believe Josh Allen is. So the way the league views it, though, right now, Quinton Williams, Nick Bosa, and Devin White are these premier blue chip defenders. And that if the cost isn't as crazy as many expect to go up to number three, somebody will do it because they don't. We're so used to living in this world where teams only move up for quarterbacks. 
Right. I don't think that's the case this year because the premium talent sits at the top of this draft. And the Jets, you heard Mike McCagnan say it at the meet, the GM and coaches meetings, that they are open for business to moving back. So maybe that's a sign of, hey, give us a call and we will work with you on a deal here. Well, and I think something that you said there, Connor, is really important. Uh, if you remember back in August when we started talking about the 2019 draft class, we, were, we told everybody that, you know, listen, this is a defense-heavy draft. Like this is the year where if you need a if you need an edge rusher, go get one. If you need a linebacker, go get one. There's gonna be great D tackles. And then we had guys like Quinn and Williams pop. Like we knew Nick Bosa was gonna be great. We knew that Devin White, Josh Allen, those were dudes. Quinn and Williams kind of comes out of nowhere. Monta Sweat rises up. Devin Bush answered a lot of questions. So I do think this is a unique year where you would trade up to get that. And and having said that the cost to trade up might be less than it is when you trade up for a quarterback. Think about what your jets gave up to go from six to three. Like I think the cost this year, is, let's say the giants want to go from six to three. I actually think the cost might be well for them. It would be for a quarterback, but I, I would say that because it's considered a defense heavy draft teams might be willing to take a little bit of a break to move back as opposed to you're coming up to get a franchise quarterback like the, you know, when, when the Rams did it, when the Eagles did it, that cost was very expensive. I, I can see this year being uh, maybe a little bit more friendly to the team trying to move up. Yeah, I think so, too. And I think when you look at this, each team is unique in their scenario, right, Matt? Like the yes. Jets are a team that have to fill multiple starting holes. They simply need a center. They need at least one edge pass rusher, probably two, although I don't think you're going to be able to get two in this draft. That's just not feasible. They probably need another cornerback. That's a decent amount of holes to fill through one draft. <laughs> right. Now you look at the Chiefs, the Rams, teams like that. They can trade everything they have if somebody will move back that far. That's the biggest question. But they could trade everything they have because they really need one blue chip kind of piece to keep this Super Bowl momentum rolling forward. So that's what's so fascinating to me because a lot of people on Twitter, and I understand are split 50 50. I have people go do everything possible to trade out. The jets have to get trade out of that pick. Then I have people that say, don't move down the board, get the safe thing. Make sure you get one really good player and work from there. I think each scenario is unique. And I think it does make sense for the jets to get out of this pick. While it also makes sense for a lot of teams to call them and come up and really get one game changing talent for next season. And not just the giants. Like, right. Like no. if you're, uh, if you're Oakland and you're like, you know what? We have to have Quinn Williams, like have to have him go from four to three. Exactly. And the, the bears did this to get Mitch Trubisky. We see it all the time. Teams just, let's just come up one spot. You know, back in the day, it was the Browns moving up to get Trent Richardson, which didn't work out, but they secured their guy. So if you're in love with the player, you might have to move two spots or, you know, if Tampa, they let Quan Alexander go, if they are hell bent on Devin white, Go from five to three. Yeah, I don't think you'll get. I there's a good chance you won't get him at five. There's, there's a very good chance. A very very good chance. Right. So and, and the same for you know there are a lot of teams there. Six. Obviously, we've talked a lot about the Giants might want to come up to get their quarterback. Oakland, the Raiders are bringing in all the top quarterbacks. They're bringing in Haskins and Murray to work him out. You don't know like if they're going to draft a quarterback. So if you want to get that guy, I think that's why the Jets and it came out uh, Tuesday morning. They're willing to trade that pick, which we've been saying for three months. Yep. There should be a lot of teams calling to get into that spot. And it's not, I don't think it's limited to Oakland, Tampa and the giants. We could see a surprise team. We could see Denver come up. We could see Miami come up, Washington come up the jets. 
like you said, Connor, you know that team better than anyone that covers the league. They have a ton of needs and they need to win because this front office is now on their second head coach. They have six picks in this draft. It's not enough. No, the Patriots have 12. I mean, there you go. (laughs) It's insane. It's just not enough. And, you know, like we talk about the Niners, like, hey, they need, you know, they need all these positions. They also only have six picks. The good news is they have two, 36, and 67. So at two, they can draft Nick Bosa and not feel like they have to trade out of that spot because then at 36, you can get your wide receiver. At 67, you can get a corner. And feel pretty good about what you've done. The Jets not having pick 34, and, and I love Sam Darnold. I'm glad they moved up to get him. I, I think that's like hurting this franchise a little bit. So trading back for the Jets makes the most sense of any team, in my opinion. Yeah, they got to recoup a second round pick. And the most logical way to do that is to move back a couple spots. And on this the flip, isn't, yeah. it's not on a rundown. I want to ask you real quick before we move on. How much traction do you think there is for Darren Lee or Leonard Williams to maybe get traded? in the next month even if it's on draft weekend I think, is that yeah still happening I think Darren Lee will be moved I don't think it will be for much at all maybe a player swap like remember Matt when they swapped Calvin Pryor for Demario Davis a couple yeah. years ago and which was an amazing trade I think Demario Davis oh, yeah. made the Pro Bowl that year Calvin Pryor is not in football anymore but that that was a player swap I think we'll see a player swap for Darren Lee if not maybe a fifth or a sixth round pick like Leonard Williams on the other hand this is one of those things where I've heard the Jets can get more for him than people think. It, they can get a high second rounder for him. That's what I would think. If they want to. What I do know is the new coaching staff wants him, like loves him. That like, makes sense. They, like they don't want to give away more. Pe- you know what I mean? Like yeah. they just spent all this money on CJ Mosley and they spent a lot of money to keep Henry Anderson. They don't want to give right. away pieces there. They And that's how coaches are anywhere. They always right. want to keep their guys. So I was going to say, like, yeah. Oakland at 35. Let's say Oakland doesn't get Quentin Williams. Say they take Devin White at four. But they still want to D-tackle. And I think D-tackle is going to be dried up by 24 and 27. Why not trade 35 for Leonard Williams? Yeah. The bigger question is, would the Jets do it? Right. But there's a working relationship there. I mean, they just Absolutely. traded for Kaleche Osemele. So right. I, I think there's a relationship there. And not to make this the Oakland Jets show, but it it's an interesting talking point at the top of the draft. If you're a Raiders fan, would you rather have Devin, Devin White at four <laughs> or would you rather swap picks with the Jets and have Quinn and Williams but lose 35? I'd rather have Quinn and Williams and lose 35. I would too. You have three first-round picks. Yeah. That's just my take. So it's interesting. This is how all of the different pieces of the top of the NFL draft and why we keep saying the draft starts with the Jets at three because really the draft is going to go Kyler Murray first overall, Nick Bosa second overall. Based if I was just deciding players, I think then it goes Quinton Williams and Devin White. That's how I think this draft falls. I, I agree with you, and I think that's where it should fall. And it's it's interesting that I think then after that, like I know this isn't a mock draft show and we didn't even plan this, but sometimes this show just takes on a life of its own. Like if it goes Kyler, Bosa, uh, who, Josh Allen. Yeah. Hank, I don't. And then Quinton Williams, Devin White, Dwayne Haskins is there for the Giants. Do they take him? I could still see them going pass rusher. I had so many folks text me yesterday, some in the media, some not, some in the league. Giants aren't going to take Haskins. No way. They're going to take O-line or they're going to take D-line. I don't know how much of that is people just looking at Dave Gettleman's background. Yeah, I'll stick by what we said. I will too. I'm going to stick with Haskins there. I, I think that they have done a lot of work on him, and I think – at some point, trust me, I know being in New York, the pressure wears on you. 
Yeah, it does. Like you Dave Gettleman can it. play, you know, could be coy to all of this shit. But I mean, if if you let let me put it like this, Matt, if you don't take Dwayne Haskins at six and he's good next year, oh, well, then you're, you're Cleveland and you passed on Carson Wentz and Deshaun, and Deshaun Watson. Watson and Pat Mahomes and yeah, I mean, then you're fucked. <laughs> so something to think about. Yeah, Just something it really about. is. One more thing. I I'm, I keep stopping you. How crazy is it that uh, when we start talking about the draft in, in August or July, or I started in April because I, I bugged you until you let me, um, that Nick Bosa will go top two. But how crazy is it that Ed Oliver and Rashawn Gary will most likely go outside the top five? Well, I think for Ed Oliver, it's flat out stupid. I know. I'm just trying to rile you up yeah. a little bit. Oh, 100%. I think, well, I was dying laughing the other day. Uh, I had this conversation uh, with one of our producers that covered them when they were coming out of high school, Sean McManus, who produces our NFL draft. And we were talking about when Ed Oliver and Rashawn Gary were coming out of high school, there was a great debate between who was better because Rashawn Gary was the number one recruit. And I will die on the hill that Ed Oliver had a much better college career and I know the box score people will just send them all to me, but I'm talking about purely on film and impact. And at the end of the day, Rashawn Gary's probably going to be drafted ahead of Ed Oliver. It's just it's yeah. funny. No, I think he will be. So I, I I will say this: if Ed Oliver goes to like Green Bay at twelve, <laughs> it we'll look back at this in three years yeah. and be like, holy shit, how stupid was that? Or even Cincinnati at eleven, like Geno yeah. Atkins is getting older. Like, oh, he here's just there, a though. here's an all pro D tackle handed to them i just i don't under I, he answered all the questions of the con i don't understand what we're missing here and i'll tell you like i know some people on twitter have have said like oh it's off field because of the coat thing with major Stop. apple white it's not because when that happened people were like fuck major and no, i say that yeah, is no one likes he is one of my favorite college football players of all time major apple white was as a coach i have not heard a good thing about that dude no and i everybody took ed oliver's side there yeah like everyone in the nfl who's normally like very pro coach you know like what that those are the rules within the program like you gotta stick to them yeah like if that shit happened to alabama everybody would have been like on nick saban's side but because it's major apple yeah are like what do you absolutely like, not ed oliver's like the greatest recruit they've ever landed yeah and that's how you treat him because he's going to the nfl i don't know that was stupid and it won't affect his draft stock but yeah it's, it's interesting i think i'm actually more fascinated that like since summer that the fall of greedy williams in a way yeah, he was kind I, of pegged in the top five everywhere. Really Greg, Greg Little's a different story. He just fell off yeah. an absolute cliff. What's weird about Greedy is he played well and he yeah. tested well. I know. Like, it's just I like, like, oh, him. he doesn't tackle. He does I still not like tackle. him too. He's still my top corner. Like I don't give a fuck that he can't tackle or doesn't tackle or you know what? Maybe he just didn't want to because he knew he was going to the NFL and didn't want to bot you know bang his body up. Like I don't know. I, I like Greedy all a lot. Yeah, me too. I, I just find that one interesting that he's going to go probably in the early twenties. Of this draft, so yeah. I don't know, man. It's I know you had one more item here as we just went into a, a giant whirlwind of buzz, <laughs> but the last thing on the rundown, fine. yeah. <laughs> the Denver Broncos, man, are bringing in the top four quarterbacks. Which, if you've wondered if the interest is real, each team gets thirty uh, private workouts, not including local visits. So the fact that they're spending four of those on quarterbacks, Haskins, Murray. Uh, Daniel Jones and Drew Locke tells you that there's serious quarterback interest and in the first round because they are bringing those guys in and some of you are going to say smoke screen and hey it could be John always never impressed me as the kind of guy who's going to be that forward thinking to try to smoke screen any team 
you know, like Miami or Washington that would need a quarterback behind them. I, I think there's legit interest that they're going to try to figure out which quarterback they like. Yeah, I could definitely see that. I think they've built the right scenario for that player to sit behind Joe Flacco. And I mean, you said it, Matt, he doesn't really hide much. Everybody knew he was taking Pax and Lynch a couple years ago. The Cowboys tried to move up to get him because of that. Right. They just couldn't get the deal done with the Jets. So when it comes down to it, it's I mean, it's funny. They're not really going to hide much. And listen, I, I think their guy is going to be there. I don't even think they'll have to really go anywhere to go get him. All right, Connor, we promised people sleeper talk, and we're going to go sleeper talk with a disclaimer, old school stick to football there. But if you live and breathe the NFL draft like we do, a lot of these names are going to be names that you know and that you've heard of for nine or ten months. But as I always like to remind people when I write articles or, or on Twitter, not all of our audience is diehard. So some of these names, if you're one of those fans that like you start following the draft when your team's out of the playoff hunt or after college football season, Hopefully these will be some new names to you, but our goal here was to look at round three or later players that we really like and guys who, when, when we're sitting here a year from now, we could be like, shit, that guy had a really good rookie season. Yeah. I, that's, this is always a fun thing we do here. Like just going down names that it might even be names that everyone's well aware of, but we don't talk about a lot. So right. I look at this group, like these guys are, I'm very familiar with a lot of these players, and the truth is they're deep sleepers for a reason, Matt. Like 70 to 80% of them might not stick around in the league very long, but maybe a handful actually have really successful careers after being mostly day three picks. And I think that's kind of the rule we kept here. All of these guys that we picked are going to be day three selections when it comes down to it. That was the one rule we followed. Uh, I'll start at quarterback, someone that... I wish got a little more love throughout the all-star process because I, I really like his arm and really liked his game over these last three years of Boise state, Brett Rippon. I know there's only so many spots at the senior bowl and our guy, Jim Nagy does such a good job with his team to select those spots, but I thought Rippon really would have showed out and showed out well there. And he really hasn't been talked up that much at all in a quarterback class where let's be real after the group of like drew lock Haskins, Kyler Murray, uh, Daniel Jones, Tyree Jackson, you know, and then really Will Greer, there's really no buzz around anyone at all. He's even as like exciting day four, day five guys. If I was going to bet on one, I know people like Ryan Finley and, and players yeah. like that. And I do not, I would bet on Brett Rippon. I like Brett Rippon. Uh, I almost put Gardner Minshew in here as well, but I feel like we have talked about him enough uh, as a day three guy. I actually went Clayton Thorson and I went this way because I also just want to talk about him as a prospect because I think he is a player that over the next month is going to get. Do you remember the Nathan Peterman rise of like, wow, he looked great at the Manning camp. Like, he's so smart. And he was talked about as maybe a round two or round three player. He wasn't. Uh, he, he drifted back to where he actually should have been drafted. I think Clayton Thorson is going to get some love because he's smart, strong armed, pro style offense. But his play was never that great. Some of that was injury. Some of it was what was around him uh, at Northwestern. But I look at Thorson as if he's drafted in the fourth round, maybe the fifth round, that's really good value. And someone who could, once healthy and given a little bit of time, like could become a starter in the NFL. Not a high-level one, but a pretty good starter. Uh, not pretty good, but a, but a starter <laughs> down the road. Sleepers for good a reason, Lord. yeah. Okay, <laughs> sleeper starter. So like, I have him as around four to five fringe player on my grade scale, and I I think I have him as the the eighth quarterback, ninth quarterback in this draft. So 
if you put him in that context, like, yeah, he could be a good player who maybe you could develop a little bit. Like you said, once you get past the four first rounders, then I have Jarrett Stidham, then I have Tyree Jackson and Will Greer. And then I think Clayton Thorson is in that. He's the top of that next tier of quarterback in this class. I mean, when you look at Thorson, he's been a guy that's always been talked about because of his traits, right? He was a dual threat kind of recruit. He came in there. He does move well. He right. has the big arm, big body. He's been banked up, some bad injuries. But like you said, hasn't really had the help. So my theory with quarterbacks, Matt, and I think you follow suit with this, is after the first two rounds, I'm just going to take a swing on a guy with traits. Oh, I, yeah. don't, I don't see the benefit of taking the – Hey, this guy completed 70% of his college passes, but like he doesn't really pass the threshold of arm strength or anything like that, or isn't athletic or doesn't have the big body. I, I understand there's always going to be guys that slide through the cracks that might make it there, but I'd still rather develop the traits. And I think that's a reason why we've seen Tyree Jackson really go on the rise the last couple of months. So, yeah. It, and it's like, there's also the other side. I know teams, um, I wish I could remember who I was having this conversation with. Not that I could tell you the name of the team, but I could maybe get you close. Is that like they have this idea with quarterbacks, like the trait guys go early and like late, you just draft winners. Like maybe you'll get a Dak Prescott. Maybe you'll get a Tom Brady. Like maybe. So like, it's, it's probably more like <laughs> the trait guys are going to go, you know, big arms. They're going to go early. Tyree Jackson's kind of in the middle this year. It's kind of an interesting name, but. I don't know. Like, I would like to actually do like a, a mini study this summer and see like late late round quarterbacks. And you're not gonna have very many starters, so it's a small sample size. But in terms of having a long NFL career, is it better to go traits or better to go guys who are like leaders and win a ton of games in college? It's a fascinating discussion. It, it really is, especially when you see the guys that have had some uh, success coming out of day three, like Kirk Cousins. Obviously, yeah. Dak had some off field problems right before the draft that. We're quickly addressed, but still moving on to running back. I went with Raquel Armstead from Temple here. Great combine. Really somebody we have not discussed at all. He, you know, caught on kind of late at Temple. He didn't really get on the field right away, at least in starting kind of reps. But he is a straight line, head down (laughs) kind of runner, 22 reps on the bench. And guess what? I mean, that weight room strength shows up on the field with this guy. He'll get you the short yardage chunks. But I think the sub 4540, he ran an official 445, is a really good sign for him as a day three pick. Because, listen, not all running backs are going to be able to create their own yards or be excellent pass catchers or check every single box. But when you're on day three, you want guys that work hard, that have the combo of speed and strength to start at the NFL level and really maybe be a short yardage back for you. So when I look at Armstead, I think he's somebody where there's been really no buzz on him at all, but he's made himself a draftable player this year. He really has. There are a lot of those guys from Temple, by the way. Oh, like, I mean, these dudes, yeah. they're off, often some of the hardest working dudes. I know you're going to talk about one later. Yeah, absolutely. At running back, uh, I went with Bruce Anderson, someone that um, I remember sitting in our luxury suite <laughs> at the Senior Bowl. And like I was supposed to be watching one position, uh, but everyone knows I can't. I just watch quarterbacks the whole time. And I watched Bruce Anderson run like a flat route out of the backfield, catch the ball and like scoot up field. It was like, who the hell was that? And like, so I look up at the TV on the box to try to see the replay. It's like, damn, that was Bruce Anderson. Like he has a lot more scoot than I expected. And he wasn't selected to go to the combine. So we don't have test times on him from there, but his size and speed, like they're good enough. Like they, they definitely check that box for me. You know, he's 5'11", 210 pounds, but I, I think he could be 
a really good third down back, especially coming out of day three, where, you know, he doesn't have like Reichwell Anderson or Reichwell Armstead has all the the traits of, you know, like someone who could be a Jordan Howard type running back, could be a starter. Like Bruce Anderson to me could be a really good third down back coming out of day three and maybe even late day three because he wasn't a combine invite. But you look at the production, like he's returned kicks. He's caught the ball well. He had 12 catches last year. Um, he, he runs the ball hard between the tackles. And at, we talked to Easton Stick on the Friday morning show. Like, you know, he ran the ball a lot in that offense. So there wasn't just those 25 carry games for Bruce Anderson very often. So I actually think there's, you know, there's still a little bit of meat left on him to where he could develop as a running back. Yeah, I agree. I, I think when you look at him as a, you know, rotational kind of piece there. He's somebody that has a lot of potential to fill out as a pass catcher. It was interesting talking to some North Dakota State fans and they were like, hey, it looked like he didn't have the same burst and wiggle this year that we were used to. Sometimes guys are just either fighting injuries. Sometimes they add weight for their year for their, you know, pro teams are going to be looking at their film more than ever. And maybe it just didn't work out for him. So it was good to see him at the senior bowl getting some of that shake back. Wide receiver. This is not a sleeper name, but it's a sleeper talent. Jalen Hurd, I feel like everybody knows the Jalen Hurd story, but he hasn't been able to work out because he's been fighting an injury. And I think when you look at him, his move to wide receiver went way better than anyone's talking about, Matt. He's got the big frame, 6'4", 225, good speed, good athlete. I th- and he was productive at Baylor right away. And he still took he still took handoffs and pretty good at converting yards at times for that Baylor offense. So this wide receiver class, you know DK Metcalf, A.J. Brown, J.J. Arcega, Whiteside, Nikhil Harry. The list goes on and on and on. But on day three, I- I'm fascinated to see who selects Jalen Hurd and tries to mold him into this red zone and yards after catch kind of guy. And they might become a winner because I think he's somebody that still has a lot of untapped potential in this wide receiver class. Yeah, he's such an interesting guy because, you know, like 6'5", 226, and he was playing running back at Tennessee. He's the dude that kept Alvin Kamara on the bench. It's like, you know, there's talent there. There's some athleticism. He didn't run at the combine so because of an injury, so we haven't really seen what he could do. But I think that is one of the things, like, can he stay healthy? He The developmental potential for him is off the charts because he's big, he's fast, and he is, I think he has some scheme versatility. So, like, get him on jet sweeps. He played running back at Tennessee. Get him as a kick returner. Find ways to get him the ball. And at 6'5", you know, he's maybe not the most natural of a pass catcher, but there is a lot of talent there to work with. I'm going to go with Miles Boykin. And again, it's hard to play at Notre Dame and be a sleeper. It's hard to be 6'4", 220 and run a 4'4", and be a sleeper. And to vert 43 and a half inches and be a sleeper. But Miles Boykin is not getting enough love. And I want to give our guy Mello a lot of credit because... When Draft 400 started, he hit me up and he was like, why don't you like Miles Boykin? I was like, I, I do like Miles Boykin. What are you talking about? And he's like, your grade on him is like dangerously low. Like it's it's stupid. Rewatch him. Look at your grade again. And I did and was like, why the hell do we have a, such a late grade on this guy? He can really play. The problem is he didn't get a lot of production because they couldn't throw the ball that well. Even when Ian Book came came in. They just, he didn't have great production. So um, if you go back and look at, you know, the Citrus Bowl win over LSU, like he had three catches for 102 yards with a, a sick one handed touchdown catch, but there's just not a lot of 
tape out there to really see like, okay, can he run a full route tree? There are times where, you know, he's inconsistent and you don't have a lot of pro route tree concepts to go back and see like, okay, well he ran a poor route there, but these next five were really good. So just on traits alone, I think miles Boykin is someone that we should maybe be talking about as a, a third round player. I would really like to see him take the Mac Hollins route and, and, you know, make his way as a special teams demon kind of player while developing as a wide receiver because of his athletic profile. I thought he did underwhelm at times at Notre Dame for how gifted of a talent he is, but there are some arguments there that the system or at least the quarterback play didn't always benefit him, but I, I thought he could have been a little better, but it's good to see him have a good draft process because once again, he's somebody with all of those traits that you do take a flyer on maybe late round three, maybe early day three, and hopefully he can make his way as a true special teamer right off the bat while getting better at his position. Tight end. I, I talk about this guy all the time, but he's going to be a fourth, a fifth, maybe even early sixth round pick, although he shouldn't be. But Drew Sample, still a sleeper to me. Everybody talks about, understandably, Hawkinson fan, Irv Smith, uh, Dawson Knox. I mean, the list goes on and on and on of all of these guys. Drew Sample is a super high floor tight end prospect. He's a good blocker with soft hands. He's not going to beat you down the field. But if you need an inline guy to help your running game, I mean, that guy, Miles Gaskin, had some pretty productive years in that Huskies offense. I think a lot of people will catch Drew Sample on tape clearing up some of those outside runs. And I think with Sample, we saw at the Senior Bowl, he's not just a blocker. Like, I think he's going to get typecast a little bit where people are like, ah, guy's just an inline blocker. Let's take him in the sixth round. He catches the ball well. He's he's not a, a great athlete, or I didn't think so on tape or watching him in person. Like, I didn't see, you know, phenomenal movement skills. But, you know, he tested pretty well at 255 pounds. He ran a 471. So he's not necessarily the most explosive guy. But he I I think he could be a really good number two tight end in the NFL for a long time. I got to go with Trevon Wesco. I absolutely love this guy. And we've talked a decent amount about him on the show before. You know, he got invited to the senior bowl as a fullback and was like, okay, I'll do it. Sure. So he's played fullback, H-back, flex tight end, inline tight end. He's 6'3", 267 pounds. He'll put you in the dirt as a blocker and as a pass catcher, like he was very productive this last year. I think he had 40 some catches uh, for West Virginia. He was a safety valve in that offense. And I think there's still some good upside to him. He's tough. He is a great blocker. I actually think he's probably the best blocking tight end in this class, especially in terms of just his demeanor. Like he has a kick ass attitude. And so you get him in an offense where, you know, like if it's the Chiefs, the Patriots, the Niners, those three teams that I that I follow closely, they all need a number two tight end. Like I'm hoping or praying that Trevon Wesco goes to one of those teams because they will know how to utilize his strengths. And hell, the Patriots need a number one tight end right now. So he's he's not the kind of guy you're going to draft in the first three rounds. But on day three, I, I absolutely am in love with just the way he plays football. Testing time's not great. Production's not great. But Turn on the tape, and it's hard not to love him. And when we spent time with his head coach, Dana Holgerson, he couldn't say enough good things about him. He, he was clear, and Dana's honest. I mean, Dana told us David Sills couldn't throw a football. He called Gary Jennings Robo Gary. Like, he had a plenty of funny things to say about his players, although he, he did praise all of them deservingly because all four of his guys there were really good. But he really, really talked up Wesco's transition into a full-time player in, in his final year for the program. So, Moving on to the defensive side of the ball, D-line, 
Tristan Hill from UCF. Um, me and you have had conversations about this guy. Maybe didn't see the field as much as he had hoped with a new coaching staff, but a, a player that tested really well, a player that can be an impactful piece up front. I think once again, there's a lot of household names at the top of this class, specifically in the trenches on the defensive side of the football. But Tristan Hill might be one of those guys where you see him go in round three or round four and you go, damn, like we really missed out. He's he's playing and starting right away. Yeah, and he had a really good combine. Great combine. Uh, really good. Like I think, like you said, new coaching staff, for whatever reason, you have one of your best players, probably your best player. And you don't play him. He played as a freshman and was good. Right. Like it's it's shocking to me. So I actually think that he could uh fall a little bit and be a round four, round five guy that comes in and starts in the NFL. And it's just getting the most out of his talent. His burst is very, very good. He's an ideal twitched up three technique. And I know there's like, okay, he didn't play at the biggest school, he didn't start as a senior. You wonder if there's something there, but man, he's He's good. He's really good. And I know our guy, Jim Nagy has, has told us a couple times, like, Hey, like this kid can play, like watch him. You, you need to, you need to watch to see what he can do. So I like him. I, I'm going to go with a guy who didn't get a combine invite, but we've had on the show before Michael dog, but from temple, just talk about an ass kicker, like a space eater at defensive tackle who does have production as a pass rusher. That was such a good defense at temple. And when you look at a dog, ability to handle the middle of the field, like I, I am a big believer in him, working into an NFL rotation. He has the size. He has the strength. Like it's, it's all there for him to become a, a really good player. And I think he's probably around five or six guy, but at six, three, 286 pounds, he could be a five technique. He can kick down inside. Like he has versatility to play all along the front. And no, he's not going to be an every down player. He might not be a front wave starter early in his career, but the production and the traits are definitely there. And, and he had a great shrine game week and you know, didn't get the call up to the senior bowl. Didn't get the combine invite. So we're talking late rounder, but I, I do think that in a year we could see him as a really good contributor, but he just keeps on working. I mean, he he's been on the podcast before and you get the mindset that he, he doesn't really care about being overlooked. He's somebody that will find a way into a defensive line rotation pretty quickly on the outside here, edge pass rusher, Christian Miller from Alabama. And it's weird to sit here and go, wow, a sleeper, a list of a, well, that has a sleeper from Alabama. From Alabama right? But when it comes <laughs> down to it, he's been hurt so much that he has kind of become one. When you look at Christian Miller, he can't stay healthy, but he's a phenomenal athlete and a very productive player when he's on the field. So we know this edge class has a lot of players that are going to go in the top 15 of this draft. It's as simple as that. And then we always talk about, Damn, there's a really big drop off. Once you really lose the guys like Bosa, Allen, Burns, Sweat, maybe even Farrell, once those guys come off the board, you sit there and you go, man, that there is a really big drop off. But if Christian Miller can stay healthy with how long and how athletic he is, he's somebody that will consistently get to the quarterback from the outside. Now, I've asked around about him because you turn on the film and, of course, you watch Quinn and Williams and even Raekwon Davis before he decided to stay in school. Mac Hollins, uh, Isaiah Bugs, and you go, when? Who is this guy that keeps actually getting the sacks or getting to the quarterback from the outside time and time right. again? And then you ask some scouts about him, and the problem is with Christian Miller, he he just won't be drafted in the first two or three rounds purely off health. That that's simply the problem. Somebody will take a swing on him, I think, in round four. Uh, sometimes teams with injuries, your 49ers, Matt, are a little more forgiving than others and do take swings earlier, but. Yeah. 
<laughs> when you look, he's just a really, really good football player when it comes down to it. And, and he needs to prove he could stay on the field. But the edge is one of the hardest posi- positions to have sleepers in because after round one, most of these guys don't find success for a good reason. But when you talk about injuries or off field for dropping a guy, those are usually the outliers that do. Yeah, I actually love Chris, Christian Miller's tape. Like I, I put like a, I believe a round one on his tape. And then you dig into the injuries and you're like, oh, nope. 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 Okay. Can't stay on the field. But I mean, he has some, like we talk about Josh Allen, like Christian Miller is not that different than Josh Allen. He just doesn't have tape because of his injuries. So I really like him. I'm going to go with another guy who I think will be drafted late because of injuries, but man, his flashes are beautiful. That's Porter Gustin from USC, a guy that two years ago we were talking about if he had continued to stay healthy, he would have been a first round pick. Great all around athlete, but he missed half of last year. Uh, senior season with a broken ankle. He's had a biceps injury. He's had a broken toe. It's just like these little freak injuries, but he just seems like a guy who cannot stay healthy. But, you know, as an outside linebacker in a 3-4 scheme, he can get after it. And I think that the injuries have really affected his his straight line speed. They've affected his burst a little bit. But, like, there are still times where you'd watch him play and you're like, dang, like that. he looks the part. Like, he really does look like he could be uh, at least a situational pass rusher. So if a team, like you said, the Niners are, are all about doing this, it seems like if you're willing to risk a day three pick on a guy who's got good tape when healthy, then I, I think Porter Gustin's someone you grab late. And he just can't catch any luck, the guy. No. I mean, you saw him against Texas, and it's like, holy shit. Like, this is insane how good he is. But we've always known. What's crazy about Porter Gustin, Matt, do you remember when we did prospect previews two summers ago? Yeah, and he, he was on it. He was on it for pass yeah. rushers, and we were like really excited about him. But he just—he's been in school a long time, and he's trying to get healthy, trying to get right. So really rooting for him because when he's on the field, I—I uh, I hate to make this comparison because they're both like white tryhard dudes with long hair, but he has the same tape as Chase Winovich. He, he really does, but he's just never on the field. So it's—it's yeah. it's one of those things that's really hard. For off-ball linebacker, I went with Jermaine Pratt, who's, and I always fall for these guys that are converted safeties that move down to the box because they can run and cover so well. I know he didn't have the combine many hoped for. He, he ran a four-five-seven, which is not slow for a linebacker. It's just not. I think a lot of people expected him to be in that 4-5 kind of range and, and maybe test a little better elsewhere. But when you look at Pratt, he shifts towards what the modern-day linebacker often is, and that's guys that can erase the flats, they can run up the seam, they can stop the outside run. So I, I think he's a typical nickel kind of backer that can come in and play and help you out on special teams, and he's been a really nice player for that NC State defense for a couple of years now, and I wouldn't be surprised to see him hang around for a long time in the NFL. Yeah, I'm with you there a lot, and I went with a, a very similar guy, Gary Johnson from Texas, who... Uh, I know Mello has talked about a lot and I let me, I should say I have, uh, I think around three great on Jermaine Pratt. So I really like him. Um, he is my number five linebacker in this class, but I understand like he didn't test that well and he could fall. So moving on to Gary Johnson, who is the opposite? Like he tested really well. You know, he got popped with a suspension this year for failing a weed test. Like you hate to see that, but the dude can play like he, when he and Malik Jefferson went on the field together, I thought Gary Johnson was a better player. His instincts are there. His run fits are good. And I think he'll get knocked a little bit, you know, playing in that three thirty five defense. Like he's a stack linebacker who, you know, he's not always taking on a ton of blocks, but his range, his ability to play sidelines and he can drop in coverage. Like 
That's what the NFL wants. So if you can get him in the fifth round and you look at his value as like, okay, this dude can run like a safety and he flies all over the field and he loves ball. Like, okay, he could, he could be a player. Like he's not that different than Darren Lee who went 20th over on the first round, which was a mistake. (laughs) Yeah. He just doesn't have the, he doesn't, again, he doesn't have the tape because he was a Juco transfer. And then uh, if I remember right, he got banged up a little bit, his junior year and then senior year, he had the suspension for one game, but you know, the Texas defense, like, I will say this as a huge Texas homer. That run defense was actually one of the best in the country. And he was a huge part of that. And also his Twitter, his Twitter name. I, I love this. I hate quarterbacks and running backs. <laughs> what? That's like, you know, like it's, his at is underscore Gary Johnson, but his, you, his name, the profile name, I hate quarterbacks and running backs. That is so good. It's right? unique. It's like, that should yeah. be his brand. Just make t-shirts it, yeah. and stuff with that. Yeah. I mean, you know, like he had a kid. He like grew up because of it. Like I, I'm a, I'm rooting for him. I get like, yes, I am a Texas Homer, but like his athleticism and his tape are so good that that's a dude I'll root for all day. And those are the kind of guys that you, once again, you take swings on because you feel that they fit covering these spread attacks going forward. So I, I really like both of those guys and, I think both will be there on day three. I really do. That's, you know, that's the yeah. consistent theme with this sleeper list. Although with this linebacker class isn't very deep, so maybe guys do get bumped up. But over uh, at cornerback here, Mark Fields, a really late rise for Mark Fields. I mean, we spent the entire year talking about Trayvon Mullen from that Clemson secondary, and Fields wasn't even always on the field. I mean, he only started six games at Clemson, which is hard to believe when you look at him and he goes to the combine, runs a 4-3-7. 18 bench reps for a small corner. He's only 5'10", 190. It is pretty good. And I think the most important part of his process, besides playing against the likes of Alabama, was going to the Senior Bowl and showing that he belongs with those guys. So I'm always fascinated by good athletes that flash when they do play at big programs but aren't on the field a lot, and they're yeah. healthy. I don't have answers for what's going on there, coaching staff, but Mark Fields is someone that he can play. There's no doubt about it, and he's played at a high level for a big-time program. I mean, I've seen it even with David Long at Michigan. There's times they take him off the field, and I'm watching his tape, and I'm like, why is he off the field right now? He's your best corner. So I'm not going to overthink those things. If a guy can play and he's athletic, then that's what it is, and I'm excited to see You know, Mullen will go before Fields. There's no doubt about that. But in a corner class that really needs somebody to shine in this day three group, I think Fields has a chance. I I sent a text to find out how much I can say about this. And if I hear back while we're talking, I'll go ahead and share everything that I know. But sometimes these things aren't for public consumption. I saw Mark Fields at the NFL PA game, which is it's senior bowl shrine game NFL PA. It is a third tier all-star game. It's double A ball. And, And I'm watching practices and I'm like, what? is he doing here? Like this guy doesn't belong here. He's too athletic. Played at Clemson. And you're right. Like the tape is good. He did have a a foot injury in 2017, but like other than that, like tape's good. Athleticism's good. It's like, why is he here? And so started asking around like, what, why, why is he here? And the NFL PA guys were like, well, the coaching staff does not like him. So it's not, it's like, why didn't he start a lot? It's, it was a coaching issue. Like he and the coaches had issues and like, I'm not saying he's Marcus Peters or anything. And if I get the, okay, we'll talk about this more on like Friday or, or Monday morning, but the, the coaches there are not going to vouch for Mark Fields based on what I've been told from folks at the all-star games. Like, because when you watch someone 
who is his size. And, you know, he's 5'10", 195. Like, he looks like a starting corner. His backpedal, I was down on the field for drills, and I'm watching him backpedal. I was like, there's no one at this bowl game. All 20 DBs that are here, they're not as good. No one is close to this kid. He ran a 4-3-7. So when you, you wonder, like, okay, why didn't he play? And when the answer is, well, coaches didn't trust him or coaches didn't like him, like, that's the kind of stuff that we'll get to scouts, too. So I'm with you. Like, I've seen stuff on Twitter about, like, Man, Mark Fields' tape is like really good. Why isn't he getting more love? I, I think a lot of that is just because the the team is not going to vouch for him. And you know, we just had Tony Jefferson on, and one thing I told you was like, why did he go undrafted? Coaches wouldn't vouch for him, and he didn't want to tell that story because you know he, he doesn't want to hurt his Tony's program. Tony's a good guy, but I'll tell that story all day. That's why he went undrafted. I, I think Mark Fields, if unless teams just you know really like the interviews, he could be in a similar boat where. You know, if if the coaches don't have good things to say about you, you're you're not going to get drafted early. So sometimes you don't uh, get drafted at all. Look at Tony. Right, right. Uh, I'll move on to to a guy we haven't talked about enough at all. No, I I'm love this name. <laughs> Hamp Cheevers. Hamp Cheevers is a great <laughs> fucking name. Uh, seven picks in 2018. He was a one year starter at BC though. So again, a guy with okay. There's not a lot of tape. The tape that's there was good, but you got to dig in and find out. All right, how much of that was opportunity how much of it was play he's tiny he is a nickel corner through and through five nine 170 pounds he ran a four five two not great like the testing times are not great but but he just plays ball and he plays really well so uh i have my eye on him as like if you could get this guy in the sixth round could he work in to play slot and be a really good one because like that's there's still a need for that right we still need slot corners and guys who can can do that well and he, he has the eyes he has the instincts um, and I, I thought his agility was a lot better than his speed when I was evaluating him. Finally, to round out this list, safety position, I just can't get over that name. Hamp Cheevers. That's it's a good a, one, man. It's a great name. Uh, another friend of the pod, Saquon Hampton from Rutgers. Once again, this is kind of an underwhelming safety class on the back end. And I guess that's why it's the back end for a reason, right? I mean, the talent goes off the top. You know, Taylor Rapp, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, Nasir Adderley, Juan Thornhill, Deontay Thompson. Saquon Hampton, though, is kind of the poor man's version of these cover guys. Like, he can handle a lot of roles on the back end of the secondary. And I think also when you play at Rutgers, you can only do so much as a safety, right? There's no one up front forcing quarterbacks to make bad throws. They can throw away from you every single snap if they want to. This also goes back to, like, when you're... It's difficult when you're a really good corner at a really good program. Yeah, teams can stay away from you, but there's going to be other good corners playing on the other side of you and quarterbacks are going to, have to make bad decisions. And I think at defensive back, what's so interesting, why we see these guys that are undervalued is because they just don't they simply don't get the chance to be playmakers there. And I think that's a little bit of the case for Hampton, who made the best of a bad situation at Rutgers. And I'm really excited for him and and think he could easily be a round four or five pick that can be that third kind of safety that rotates in for a lot of these teams pretty soon. He tested so well that I think he'll get a nice bump from from that. I hope so. You know, because there was Um, no but like remember when we were booking guests for interviews and you were like, oh, I got Saquon Hampton from Rutgers. And I was like, cool. Like didn't really know like to even watch his tape this year. This is like in January or December. And and then you go and you're like, damn, no, like he could pl- he could flat he out ball a little play, bit. man, flat yeah. out play. So. Yeah, I like him a lot. I went with Amani Hooker as my safety. And again, it's kind of like the Alabama thing. Like, how the hell can a kid from Iowa who comes out early be a sleeper? Amani Hooker is one like he 
he can play, I, I think, any safety position. He's 5'11", 210 pounds, around 4'48". He's strong. He's instinctive. And, uh, I mean, he was the big twin, big 10, excuse me, defensive back of the year because of the fact that, I mean, he had three and a half tackles for loss, four picks and seven passes defense, which shows you his range. So I, I know some people are gonna be like, nah, he's, he's just a box safety. I think he's a hybrid safety, which Mello and I've been texting a lot during draft 400. Like there has to be a name for guys who not, they're not single high and they're not box. So I think that we're just going to call them hybrid safeties. Like when you could do a little bit of anything and you're like excellent in robber coverage and you have good ball skills, like I think that's who Amani Hooker is. So if you could get this guy in the third round, I think he starts for you day one. Like he reminds me in some ways of Adrian Amos when he was coming out of like, guy just plays ball. And he went right into Chicago, started for you know four years, and now he's going to start in Green Bay. So Amani Hooker is definitely a, a name for everyone to remember. I think at the safety position, too, it's one of those ones where guys don't get enough credit for making limited mistakes, right? Like, yeah, sure, you, you see the guys like Eddie Jackson, this isn't to take away anything from them, that get the interceptions. Or you see Jamal Adams and Derwin James absolutely come downhill and decleat people. Awesome. Those are great game-changing plays. But the middle of the pack guys that just never make a mistake, they really get no love. And, and I think Hooker's an interesting one like that. And I'm not saying he's perfect because all these college safeties are still learning and making mistakes. But he fits in that mold where you're like, man, he's just all around solid. All right, Connor, let's close this baby out with some draft on draft questions. It's been too long since we've taken questions. Uh, our buddy Clayton wants to know if you had the opportunity to give a prospect a top five skill in their position group, what would it be and to who? Example, top five running back speed for David Montgomery. Well, if you know me well, that would <laughs> that's <laughs> he, it. Yeah, he probably it answered the question. No, honestly, I wish Kelvin Harmon had a little more speed. I really do, because I think he has the size profile. He has great hands. I think his routes are a lot more nuanced than a lot of people expected. And I, I think he's just so strong at the catch point. That 40 is going to bother a lot of people. It doesn't bother me specifically, but I, I think it will bother a lot of people. And I think if Harmon was a 4-4 guy, people would be like, oh, he's going in the top 25 picks. Yeah, I wish I could give Chase Winovich like top five health. You know, like if I could just make him healthy for his, his uh, whole career. I love Chase Winovich's yep. game. That would be up there for me. I like to give Deontay Thompson better size because um, I really like him. Um, There's a lot of good ones here. Yeah, there are. Honestly, like I, I wish Dwayne Haskins could run a little faster. <laughs> like, uh, I wish Jonah Williams had 35 inch arms. I, we could do this all day. Yeah. I mean, it's actually a pretty fun game. Like, I wish I were six two. Like, you know, me, like me too. <laughs> That'd be great. Yeah, what traits would we give ourselves? Yeah, right. Uh, yeah. Well, I'd like to be a left-handed pitcher if I could. Wouldn't we all any trait? It doesn't matter how tall you are, what you look like. If you nah. could throw 90 miles an hour left-handed, you are playing professional baseball. Emmett ran at me the other day and he, he were at my girlfriend's mom's house and he had one of those like pre-packaged like cupcake things. <clears throat> and he was like, Hey dad, will you open this? And he's on the run, launches it left-handed about, and he's five. So he throws it like 15 feet, but it hit me right in the chest. I caught it, but it hit me like right perfectly. And I just like looked around the room was like, <laughs> yes. did anyone else yes. do that? Like no one else did. Is he but a lefty? I was like, he's a left. He throws left. He does almost everything else. Right. I had a teammate like that. Um, in lacrosse, he was a, he also played quarterback too. So he was like, he did the same thing. He threw left, he shot left, but he wrote right-handed. It was the weirdest yeah. thing. 
Like it was, he, I mean, he wasn't really truly ambidextrous. I right. don't know. It, That's how Emmett is. He, I think he eats left-handed a lot still. Um, you know, for when he started preschool, we like would try to put like crayons in his left hand because he did everything left-handed until that time. And then he like he puts them in his right hand. So did I tell you what? Uh, when I was a kid, my mom I was writing naturally lefty, and my mom put the pencil in my right hand. It's like uh, the only thing I could yeah. never forgive her for is that Damn. like naturally I'm a lefty. Like I brush my teeth left-handed. I like when I played lacrosse, I, my left-handed shot was pretty much the same as my right-handed shot. Like throwing, not really that good, but yeah. I, like she, I don't know why she did that. And I, you know, lefties right, like very upright. Yeah, I do that right-handed. I've noticed that. Yeah, yeah. it's like I've really meant to ask you that before. Yeah, like, I was supposed to be a lefty, and at, my mom somehow ruined that. I love my mom, but that's the one thing where I <laughs> wish Thanks, I, could, I wish I could have that back. Things might have gone a little differently. Yeah. My parents, I was supposed to be skipped kindergarten, and they like they. I went to kindergarten for like two weeks, and they're like, "Hey, he really doesn't need to be here." Oh, so you were always a genius. Let's put him in first grade. <laughs> and uh, my mom and dad were like, ah, "We don't know if he's ready for that." And I wasn't, but like, I could have graduated high school at like fifteen, which would have been. I feel like that would have sucked. Amazing. Yeah, like it probably would have. I mean, athletically, I would have it, never been able to play sports because I was I'm I was a pretty small guy in high school anyway. You know, like, but yeah, you're always behind everyone. It still would have been cool. Couldn't have dated in high school, which so man, if there's if a there, life changer. Yeah, yeah. Oh my god! Wow, that's uh, crazy. Yeah. You yeah. would have you would have never had a kid. I know, that's, man. That's, I wow. probably wouldn't be doing this podcast. I'd probably be writing for the Joplin Globe. Like, that is <laughs> a wild thing to think about. If there's anything you've learned from stick to football today, forget the sleepers, forget the buzz, yeah. forget the review of the lovely coach's photo. It's that raise your kids to be left-handed. Oh, that's all you got to do. Bart Uppa wants to know, with the focus on first-round picks, where do you see the teams that don't have first-round picks, the Browns, Bears, Cowboys, and Saints, go with their round two pick? Well, man, we answered this for you in that mock draft that I put out Monday morning. But I I think when you look at, you know, a team like the Browns, they have filled so many needs. I would still like to see them add another safety. You know, Jabril Peppers is gone, not that he was ever that good, but... They need another safety next to Demarius Randall. I think that's a, a huge need for them. You look at the Cowboys, like that D line and the secondary still need help. Like Demarcus Lawrence hasn't signed his franchise tender yet. David, David Irving's Irving. getting suspended. Yeah. Randy Gregory is David God Irving's what. done. I mean, yeah, it seems and really Randy way. Gregory might be too. I mean, it's just it's a mess for them. So they need they need middle of the field, you know, D line or safety help. Um, that that's a pretty big one for them. The Saints. Like I, I put the Saints in a, t- a tier of where like they they are so close to winning, they just need more help. I actually had them take Debo Samuel in my last mock draft because I would love to see them get some help over the middle. And then they signed Jared Cook at tight end, so I do think that will help. Um, Chicago, you know, the Bears don't pick till round three, uh, and I had them going with a safety. I had them going with a Monty Hooker actually. Adrian Amos is gone, and like you just want to. I think they're a team like you just want to plug in and keep as much static as you can at this point. Dude, the Saints have no first, no third, and no fourth. I mean, yeah, I know they, you know this from riding yeah, mock drafts. It's crazy. Like, they make that pick in round two, and then they just sit on their hands until round five. And I I really like what they've done well. Like, Me we too. talked before about their 2017 draft being maybe one of the best ever. But they have six picks in this draft, and one of them is on day th- uh, one of those picks is in the first two days. Yeah, not easy. And they don't have a fourth. No, right? it's crazy. No, like they have, no they have so many fourth. picks in round six, and they have two in round six, two in round seven. Like, how the fuck are you going to build a team like that? I don't know. It's the kicking the can down the road, dude. They are, and I understand because truly, it feels like 
I mean, I understand a lot of Saints fans are not going to be happy reminiscing on this. They probably feel they should be in the Super Bowl this year. Twice. And they probably feel like they should be in the Super Bowl the year before. I mean, like, really, if Marcus Williams makes that fucking tackle. And then the no call. The no call. I'm not making excuses, but I kind of am. I mean, this is a a Super Bowl caliber roster. That's the point. Still is. Would they have beat the Patriots? Yes. That'd be a great game, right? I think Sean Payton... This is what I kept saying because I predicted them to make this when we did the predictions for uh, the championship games. Said the Saints will make it. And the reason that I was so confident in them winning a Super Bowl this year is because Sean Payton and Drew Brees have been there before. Not saying Bill Belichick and Tom Brady haven't. That's not what I'm saying. I just felt that the Patriots were so vulnerable this year finally. And that duo is so great that they still won a Super Bowl. And their defense was good enough. Very well coached. Yeah. Very well coached. I mean, I know they always are, but this year something felt different to me. That they yeah. got more out of less sometimes. The Patriots are the least talented good team I've ever seen. It's amazing. And this year's gonna be worse unless they draft their ass off. Yeah, which they will. I actually hope this is a year that and I don't I obviously don't hope this is a Jets fan, but as a draft analyst, I, I think this wisely they package some of those and get a little aggressive for players. I don't think I you need so. to sit on all of those picks. I think you go for three impact guys. Yeah, my thing is, like, a lot of people have been asking, like, how far up would you have to trade to get TJ Hawkinson? I'm not trading up into the top 10 to take a tight end. No. He's like, not, no he's not Vernon Davis. No. Now, to get an edge rusher to replace Trey Flowers, eh, maybe. Like, might do that. Yeah, but, would definitely do that. Yeah. But they they also got Trey Flowers in the fourth round. So, Patrick Chamberlain, Hall of Fame listener, rank these three non-quarterback Giants draft scenarios. The first one is... Montez Sweat, Cody Ford, Deontay Thompson. And obviously he's going with picks 6, 17, and 37 for all these. All righty. Second one, Jawan Taylor, Taylor, Cleland Farrell, Hakeem Butler. So I don't like either of those. Okay. <laughs> I think I might have answered this one on Twitter for him. Number three, this is the one I chose. Devin White, Brian Burns, Dalton Reisner. That's it. That's it. That's the one. Yeah. I, I think it's also the least realistic because I don't think Brian Burns will be there at 17. Nope. But Devin crazy White, things happen. Devin White we just talked about won't be there at six, yeah. probably. So, But that is the best talent. I, man, I would go with the first one of the, the other two, Montez Sweat at six, Cody Ford, and then Deontay Thompson. Wow, that's tricky. I, I like. I just don't like Jawan Taylor at six. No, I don't either at all. I like Farrell better than Sweat. I like Ford better than Taylor. So it's kind of even there. (laughs) Can you make your own? (laughs) Right. And then I'll be honest with you, Matt. I don't really love either Deontay Thompson or Hakeem Butler. And I know it's something we never talk about. Like, I don't love them like Twitter does. Yeah. And I think like, not that we're the most positive podcast in the world, but I feel like we try to take the positives a lot all the time. So we, we haven't talked about the fact that Hakeem Butler's drop rate is terrifying. Um, And like it, it really bothers me. Like Kelvin Benjamin bothers me, you know, like because he is, he's so big and fast. Like, why isn't this guy a round one player? Like, oh, because he can't catch the ball. And it's misleading because he'll make ridiculous catches and like he'll fucking moss somebody and then he'll just drop easy shit. Yeah, it's those guys are always the toughest to figure out. Like it, it's it's really don't tricky. get better, though. For No, it's pretty natural trait. So, yeah. and I think my, my point is when I say I'm not a big fan, like Hakeem Butler and Deontay Thompson should go in the first three rounds. That's not what, they, without a doubt, like I'll yeah. probably have early third round grades or late twos on both of them. Probably. 
I, I mean, just off of traits. But pick 37, it's a sweet spot. Yeah. I mean, whew, like you can, someone's going to fall there. Whether, oh, it's, whether it's, uh, they need a safety. Jonathan Abram might be there. Chauncey Gardner. I mean, my, yeah. mind you, this is a team that just lost Landon Collins for nothing. I think Jonathan Abram is going to go a lot earlier than people Man. expect. This, you know, uh, yeah. so we're recording this Tuesday morning, and I always like to like remind people when we record things because I don't know what's going to come out today and and what's not. But if I had to bet right now on two risers in this class, it would be Jonathan Abram and Scary Terry McLaren from Ohio State. Wow, like I think McLaren's Senior Bowl and Combine opened a lot of eyes. And Jonathan Abram, like, I mean, he was a round one player, I think, before the season. And then he kind of, you know, they weren't as good as people expected. Yeah, and he, he, got, banged up. he got banged up and yeah, he, he gets ejected sometimes. Like, <laughs> we didn't get to see him at the senior bowl because the shoulder. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I love, I love his play. Character wise, he's one of the more fun players. In oh, the fuck. Yeah. 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 Like, Without a doubt. He he talks that talk. So another player who's like way up there that I don't get is Christian Wilkins. Like he's solid. And that I mean that it's like he could he should probably go in the twenties or thirties. I'm, I'm with you all the way. I've seen him in top fifteens. I've seen oh I've seen him in top tens, like top ten grade. And I'm like, good Lord no. But if you were afraid of missing, he's the kind of guy you could draft. You won't he won't miss. Yeah. He's high character, high floor. Like yeah. that's something we don't talk about enough. And I think when me and Matt say like we don't like the players as much as everyone else, that doesn't mean this just keeps happening to me with Josh Allen. Like, I have Josh Allen 19th, right? That's pretty good. Before the season, he was like 28th, 27th. So he moved up 10 spots. It's very impressive. People think I hate Josh Allen. Well, people think I hate Ed Oliver. Exactly. It's just, you know, it's it's just how you, it's how you value them versus the fields. Like, (laughs) right. Like, here's some, like, I think a lot of people think Chase Winovich and, and who's a good player, Hakeem Butler, who has a lot of nice traits. Like, they think those guys are, going in the top 35 picks and they're not no they're not no. they're probably going more towards outside the top 50 yeah so yeah. Uh, i like it, how we start draft on draft and then just talk about whatever we want yeah <laughs> i mean this is what we because it's been a busy week matt texted me last night and was like dude what do you want to do for the show and i was like i'm not even worried because we're gonna go so far off yeah. On things because there's so much going on this time of you year. Start putting seven names in a dock and like, yeah. okay, let's go. Yeah, let's here we go. So, all right, yeah. uh, let's do one more draft. Yeah, Mister Loveless. Question. Ooh, I like that. <laughs> With Trevor Lawrence being the generational talent that he is said to be, do you think teams cough the Giants are planning to get in position to draft him? Um, mm, not yet. Early. Not yet because that's 2021, right? So it's a little far out. I do know that there's already been talk about like the Dolphins tanking for Tua or from, but. I, I will say this. We're always Herbert's another one. We're always like so far ahead of like, Oh, on next year's class, I want to be very cautious about the 2020 quarterback buzz. Like I don't want to get that hype started because I still have a lot of questions about each of those guys. Like Jake Fromm, I still think at times is like a game manager and like Jacob Eason didn't play last year because he transferred Tua hurt. Arm strength looks average. Justin Herbert. Everyone you talk to says he's soft as toilet paper. Like, well, I, we could poke a lot of holes in those guys. So I think that this upcoming college football season will be great because we'll see some of those questions get answered, hopefully. But right now, I don't see anyone setting up for two years down the road to get Trevor Lawrence. Maybe next year, um, like the 2020 NFL season is when teams might start trying to do that. 
we couldn't find someone in a front office or a scouting department that had a bad thing to say about Jake Fromm. And then we went down to LSU, Georgia this year, and we we're like, mm, yeah, are you like, sure? Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm not uh, saying he's bad. I'm just saying, like, right when you're okay, when you're billed as an elite future number one overall pick, your expectations going into the games are pretty high. So then you get your are. first look at him in person, and you're like, Man, I know this ain't an easy place to play, but like, shit, dude. People were calling him the next Andrew Luck. I know. To me, like privately, like I not don't publicly. I don't, I don't see that. So yeah, so you're like, I can't wait to see this guy in person. And uh, then you're like, oh, oh, maybe it's just a bad day, you know. And something I always like to say that you really started the show with: you never know who's gonna who's gonna surprise you. Who do you think? How many people do you think knew about Quinn Williams before this year? Maybe Alabama fans. Maybe. I yeah. mean, that's the thing. There's always going to be a lot of pleasant surprises. I will allow myself to get completely too hyped up for the wide receiver class. That I will. Allow. Oh yeah. I mean, I just I love like nine. Jerry of them. Judy, Jerry, all in. Um, T Higgins. T Higgins. Chanel. Chanel. Yep. Such a good class, man. It's ins- there's so many impact players right away. So here we go. We didn't even finish 2019, and we're talking about right. 2020 already. and 2021. A tradition like have, no other. I already have on my schedule, dude. A 2020 mock draft. Of course, like, it's you do. on my schedule. Doesn't it come out the week after the draft? It will come out Monday morning after the draft. It's out of all the insane things you do or serial killer practices you have. <laughs> that's number one. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, number one. But I love it. It's a tradition. It's like the seven round mock after the Super Bowl. Like it's just it's a, a tradition. Well, it introduces fans to players like, yeah, like you don't actually <laughs> think that. I'm You're getting like, any of those picks right now. I mean, you actually should go back and look. Really like, should. I think, oh, man. I would love to do that study and be like, wow, like you actually got a couple here. Yeah. Well, maybe <laughs> Just you would like that. Yeah. No, Just it's, luck. Eh, you never know. So, man, that was a fun show fun show yeah i get to hop off here and do radio now because it it just never stops this time of year so. yes which um, reminds me we haven't talked about it enough but we are covering the draft this year yeah Shocking. i was gonna say we got to talk about 100 percent. um before i let you go i can tell you that it will be live on twitter it will be live on youtube which are two very easy accessible places from your phone from your laptop uh from wherever your smart tv whatever you want to do there playstation 4 it'll be me matt and lefko on the desk for rounds one through three and then hopefully i think it'll be the full stick to football crew we'll see what's going on on day three and tons of content in the br app me and matt have been in there more than ever lately so if you're not on the br app i mean i definitely recommend signing up making a login it's free it's free it gives you all the content you need all of our content all matt's draft stuff the draft 400 will be there and it's another place that we're interacting in the comment section so if and you got, I, I yeah. said this and when we were in nashville dude that it's faster than like if you have the espn app like whatever app you have it's right now for close. sports we're faster it's not even close so much faster so if you care about those things like getting news when it happens like there's no better app for that yeah i'm with you so we're looking forward to it it's going to be draft yeah. week is going to be bigger than better better than ever and if you know if you enjoy the video stuff but you even like the podcast stuff better don't worry we're gonna have a show every night every morning sure. you wake up there'll be a recap show yep exactly it's gonna be fun mellow's flying out like we're gonna get the full mellow treatment because he's flying out wednesday to, to be there for all three days this year so it's gonna be it's gonna be a blast man i'm looking forward to it uh mellow and i'll be back friday morning we are scheduled to have Miko hardman on with us as long as his training schedule works out uh and uh, i'm excited about that because he is one of my favorite 
uh, gadget players in this year's class, I guess we'll call him. So it'll be a fun one. Send in those draft on draft questions and we'll be back yelling at you all Friday morning.